I'm going to be talking today, we've been doing our series called I Want to Believe But, and we've been hitting challenges uh, to belief and some of the doubts and the things that come up. And many of you, even if you're a believer, you've been a believer a, a long time, you probably still struggle with some of these challenges, as some of them you should because we need to be thinking about some of these things. And it helps us in our studying. Also, the scripture says that we should contend for the faith. We should have a defense for the reasons that we believe, and we should have a reasonable faith. You know, Christianity is a very reasonable faith. It's not just a blind faith. It's not just a fairy tale faith that someone went in a cave and came out, and here we are. This is historical faith that we believe, and there are great reasons um, for why we believe what we believe and the things that we believe. And we want to encourage you to ask those questions. I grew up in uh, uh, churches and talked to other people that grew up in churches that their pastor or their priest or whoever, uh, when they asked questions, would condemn them or make them feel bad. We don't ask those questions or just have faith and a cop out. And if that's been your experience, that is not Christianity. Christianity invites questions and says, we have answers and we want to help you through that. And that's what we've been doing. We've talked about the resurrection of Christ and the evidence for that. We've talked about evil and suffering last week. We talked about hell and some of these deep theological things that we've, we've uh, been able to tackle and discuss. And today I want to talk about the topic of unanswered prayer. And as we get into this, I'm sure we've all had prayers that have gone unanswered. We've all felt the ramifications of this. And yet, why does that happen? And, and I think it's easy to ask this question, how can I believe in a God who doesn't answer my prayers? I pray and I pray and I pray and nothing happens. Or I prayed for that person and, and it, it didn't come through. Or God didn't give me the thing that I prayed for. I think we've all experienced that. Before I go into the details of this, and I, I do want to take an opportunity, I didn't get to first service, unfortunately, but um, we have some incredible, um, and we would call them prayer warriors, for lack of a better term, in our church. And I, I just want to give honor to um, Aisha Darwish, Heather Mattingly, Scott and Natalie Dolly, and of course, Terrence Chapman. Um, and and we, I could go on and on, but those specific people that lead in this ministry, they are praying, they are here almost every Friday night praying for you. And you talk about work. It's hard to pray for you. Um, you don't even pray for you that much. And so it's amazing that these people, can we give those guys a round of applause? All of those people, uh, Scott and Natalie, they're young too, but the rest of them are young adults. And they could do a lot of things and they have a passion for prayer. And what does that look like? How can I believe in a God who doesn't answer my prayers? John 14, 12 through 14 says this. Jesus says, truly, truly, double truly, listen to me, it's true. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. How many of you guys have heard this, that passage before? Yeah, if you grew up in a charismatic church, you've heard that a lot. If you grew up in kind of a mainline denomination, you've probably never heard that scripture in your life. No offense. Because it's not something that's taught very much because of some of the things we're going to talk about. Greater works will you do. 
Jesus says, the things that I have done, it's not just for me exclusively. I'm doing it to bring the kingdom of God on earth. And he says, I'm giving you the ability. You will do that as well. And he says, even greater works because you're going to be able to see transformation of hearts. I'm doing it without literally seeing transformation of hearts yet because the spirit of God is not in people yet. But I'm doing it out of love and compassion and to show that I am God and who I am. But you're going to do it to show that I am God and to bring glory to me. But you're also going to get to see a transformation of people's very lives and their hearts. Greater works. He says this, because I'm going to the Father. Then he says this, whatever, say whatever. whatever. This word in the Greek means whatever. Deep, right? Whatever. It doesn't like whatever, not that. It's whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And we all said, amen, that's awesome. Let's do this. Let's pray right now in Jesus' name. And yet, how many of you have prayed and it didn't get answered? So it's easy. Well, okay, well, Jesus said that, but well... Okay, the, the Bible's not true, or I don't know if I can trust the God, or the Bible seems contradictory. Well, there are qualifications to this because we don't just pull one scripture out and just study that passage and say, that's what God is all about. There's a lot of qualifications to this and contingencies to this that the Bible talks about. In fact, after he says this, he talks about abiding in God. He talks about being with God. So it's not just this blanket statement. And here's the deal. God is not this cosmic Santa Claus that we talk to and say our magic words and he does whatever we want him to do. In fact, that would be really bad for you. Anybody ever seen Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey? Didn't go so well because of a lot of reasons. Now, my, me and my family, we'll, we'll have dinner together. We'll get God's chicken, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A and we'll, we'll sit down and uh, we'll, we'll pray together and I have a six-year-old son. He's high-functioning autistic, and, and, I, and I, I mention that for a reason because while I'll, I'll usually lead the, lead the prayer. We don't pray for the food. I don't think that's biblical. Um, we actually bless God for the food. The food's already blessed, okay? You don't have to bless the food. It's already blessed, okay? It's there. You could pray against diseases. That's fine. Um, but the food is blessed. Everything in the earth is the Lord's there, and it's blessed. We bless God for providing the food. That's what our prayers are. Thank you, God. We're looking to you. And so we, we do that. We, we say our prayers. And, and every time, like my, my six-year-old son will say, hold hands. Okay, and we're holding hands. Like, I'm ready to eat. Um, and, uh, and I'll start praying. And you can ask my wife. He'll just start praying too. And it's like a charismatic movement. Just lots of prayer and tongues. And I can't tell what he's saying necessarily. Because as high-functioning autistic, you can't always understand everything he says. But he has this thing called echolalia, so he, which is a form of echoing what people say. So he'll hear a lot of what, like parroting and hear what people say and say it. And he's slowly comprehending and understanding some things. But he sure knows. At the end of the prayer, we say, in Jesus' name. And he waits till everybody says Amen. Because we know we tag the end of the prayer with in Jesus' name. Now, my autistic son knows how to do that. And I think we all kind of know how to do that. Maybe we grab the scripture and at the end I'm just going to sprinkle this magic word and dust fairy of Jesus. And now I'm going to get it. And yet, that's not necessarily what Jesus was 
coming at. The, the power of Jesus' name and the understanding of that, but also that I'm living and walking as he says, those who believe in me, which believe is trust in and put their whole life in. There's something that goes beyond just simply spouting out the magic abracadabra words to get whatever you want. And if you, like me, have ever experienced not even when you feel like this, maybe this is what God wants or I'm believing for this and it doesn't happen, it can be a little frustrating. And it can be hard to try to understand how come this didn't happen and yet I thought this was right and I, I said the right things and I did the right things. And I want to give you some reasons as to why scripturally as a whole we see that God doesn't answer prayers. And I'm going to give you some reasons and some of them are going to hurt. Before we do that, I think there's some inadequate solutions to unanswered prayers. A, a couple of that, that I've heard, I, I went to a Bible school and it was a good Bible school, um, but th there were some extremes, there were some good and bad, and I learned at this place, it was a very charismatic Bible school, but I learned at this place that you, you eat the fish and you spit out the bones. So there's really good things you can extract from people, and then some things you just go, okay, I'm not sure about that. But I could get something good, and that's just being a teachable person, I believe, being able to extract something out of, out of people. And I think good intentions and good heart, but I remember having this argument constantly because there was this idea that God's really going to give you anything you ask. And, and I don't see that scripturally. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, there's this guy named the Apostle Paul, and uh, he was full of faith powerful guy, saw miracles, signs, wonders, raised people from the dead. I mean, had visions and dreams. An amazing guy wrote most of your New Testament. And, and yet, look what happens to him. Verse 7. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, so he kept on, he persevered, he contended. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, look, notice that God actually talks to him and answers him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will be mad and never pray for another person again because I didn't get my prayer answered. Therefore, God does not heal and work anymore. It's not what he says. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think it's so easy to get discouraged when you pray and nothing happens. Because you have this mentality, well, I said it, it should just happen if God loves me. And yet, the goal of prayer is not to get whatever you want and God just to grant your wish. The goal is communion. And notice the communion that Paul had. It's not that he, God just wouldn't answer his prayer the way he wanted it, but he was God. And God said, listen, I'm going to talk to you because I talk to my sheep. I speak to them, and I'm going to give you an answer. 
But here's what's best. Like a good father to a son that says, listen, that's not really what you need. Because here's God. He often gives us what we need in a package we don't want. So we go, oh, nah. That ain't pretty enough. And it's what we need. And Paul, because of his relationship with God, said, I'll boast then in my weakness, if that's what you called me to. Now, Paul didn't make a lifestyle out of that. Well, God never now, because he's just going to cause suffering all the time, and he's always just going to use these things, so he's never going to answer my prayers. So why even pray anyway? He never does that, because we see even beyond this, he's using Paul, and Paul's still seeing people healed and, and great revivals and movements. How was Paul able to reconcile not getting his relief and comfort and prayers answered while other people getting theirs? And ultimately, it's not because he thinks he gets whatever he wants. It's because he wants whatever God wants, ultimately. I think another thing we see and I hear people talk about is it's easy to rationalize, like we think of unanswered prayers. It's easy to rationalize why God didn't answer our prayer. So you go like in a hospital, and I've done this before, and we're, you pray for somebody, and you, you know, they're, they're dying, and you pray, God, just get them out of this hospital bed and heal them, and, and, and then they die. And you go, well, praise God, he answered our prayers. They're not here anymore. You know, they're, they're ultimately healed. And we kind of rationalize. No, see, the problem with that is God's not going, oh, my bad, I had a bad connection. Like, I didn't answer your prayer exactly. I thought what you wanted was, see, you didn't get what you asked for. And you know what? Sometimes that happens because there's a relationship component. But you can't allow that to keep you from asking, from believing, and from looking, and ultimately from going to God and communing with him and allowing his presence to get you so much that you have the power to give and believe God for great things. You actually can believe that God can heal somebody and yet if he doesn't, you don't have to be devastated. And to live like that is a tension, but it is a good fight and it is a good tension. Now, I do believe there are reasons that we can do something about scripturally that we don't see our prayers answered. And I think it's for all of us to evaluate and to think, because sometimes it's not God. But the real, the, the scary thing that you see a lot of times the church will do is, well, we're just, God, you're sovereign, you take care of it. And we really stop praying. We stop believing. We start even, stop even trying. One of my best friends, uh, or not best friends, one of my good friends, lives in, lives in India. His name's Israel, and he's coming here. Um, I get, get to hang out with him this next week, and if you've been here a while, you've actually got to pray with him and, and see him before, um, but he, he's here. I'm just hanging out with him this week because he's in town, but when I was in Bible college, Israel from India, it's kind of confusing, but uh, he, he drops into our school like an alien and uh, just such a different guy. I mean, and it wasn't a cultural thing. We had a lot of different cultures, but it was the Spirit of God, something different about this guy. I mean, he just, 
he walked at a level of authority and prayer and intimacy with God that I've never seen with anybody else. And it was astonishing. And even just for me as a 20-year-old, seeing him, I was like, who is this guy? What, to the point where I had to go to him and ask him, like, my prayer life is not great. I, I need some help. Teach me how to pray. And he says, okay, uh, meet me at my dorm at 5 in the morning. And I said, well, what had, what had happened was, uh, uh, oh, okay. And so I met him at five in the morning, and I've told this story before, and we're praying together, and he's teaching me how to pray. And I talk to his, his roommates and find out that this guy, we, we, in, in these dorms in this Bible school, we would have, I mean, there was a small room with uh, three bunk beds, so six guys in one room with one closet. And... Uh, he came and he thought, this is glorious. This is great. And we would have this mattress. And it wasn't like a sleep number bed. It was like this thick. And uh, it did contort to you barely. And so it was just a really rough. And, and I, we're all struggling. We're like, oh, I'm not sleeping very well. Let me get my eight hours in. And, you know, not doing really great sleeping. He liked the bed so much, he said it made him too comfortable where he didn't want to get out of bed. So he actually removed the mattress and, slept, and sat on the, the wooden slats, slept on those, so that he wouldn't be too comfortable, so that he would get up and pray. And this is a guy that prays four or five hours a day. And that kind of faith and that kind of person made me go, oh, okay, something's, I'm missing some power and some something in my life, and this guy has it. I, I, what do you have? I want to know what you have. There's something about you. And he started teaching me and another guy how to pray and what this looks like. And, and part of his passion to do it was he came from a place of persecution. And he has scars on his back from beatings. And his, he knows his parents are suffering levels of persecution. So he knows he needs to pray and commune with God. But, but it was more than just petitions. It was a relationship and a knowledge of God. And I was like, I, I want that. Because I know for me, I had some hindrances and obstacles to my prayer life. You see, Jesus died on a cross and resurrected from the grave. It is finished. He's done everything for you to be able to just come to God boldly, the Bible says, with confidence into his throne. You right now can commune and talk with God because of what Jesus did. Wow. But we don't. Why? Why do we get so discouraged? I think there's a few reasons, and I'm going to give you five obstacles to answered prayer that we see scripturally. And there's more, but we don't have time. Number one, sin. I, I know it's not popular to talk about sin today because we just we got to feel really good. We need to leave here inspired. Um, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Sin in our life. And I would say specifically unconfessed sin. You know that thing you just haven't told anybody because you're embarrassed. Or you feel bad. But not enough to actually deal with it. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity, sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. First Peter, this is really scary. Any husbands in here? 
a little scary verse. If you're like, I just love the Lord, there's no fear. You ever been to a dentist? I love dentists, but I'm afraid of those guys, man. What are they going to find? Yikes. Listen to this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean you're less. It's actually more precious, like a jewel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wait, wait, what'd you say, Peter? So if there's something wrong between me and my spouse, my prayers are hindered? You mean we don't have this God that's just checking off rules and like a robot, but he actually cares about the very details of my life so much so he knows the condition of my heart. And if it's not great between the person that he's creating one with, he's not likely to hear my petitions. Why? Because he's not interested in just changing my circumstances, but rather my heart. He's more interested, and he'll actually leave you in your circumstances if it gets you to a place to repent and say, God, be Lord of all. Because if you say Jesus is Lord of all, he's not unless he is Lord of all of you. This is hard teaching, but it's true. And I think we need to be at a place to be honest to say, Are there any, is there anything? Search me, O oh God. Is there anything in me? And we can all in here say, yeah, man, I, I've got something. I'm talking about specifically unconfessed sin, something you're holding on to. Maybe you've had it, and it's like a, your college loan. It's just a pet. It's going to be there forever. God's going, let's deal. Let's deal. Number two, wrong motives. Maybe, maybe we go to God, but we have this kind of gimme, gimme attitude. It's motivated, centered wholly on ourselves. James 4.3 says this, you ask for wisdom, you ask from God and do not receive. Why? Because God's just mean or no. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Our ultimate motives for prayer and communion needs to be God's glory. God, I'm looking for you to get glory out of this. Even the, the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be made holy. You receive glory. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not Chris's kingdom, not Chris's will, but your will. And give me that will. Speak to me that will. And I love that. Even with Paul, with not getting his prayer answered, God spoke to him his will. He shared with him. He communed with him. And he told him what he's doing. John 12, 28, Jesus would say this. Father, glorify your name. Jesus says, I'm about my father's business. Glorify your name. And that was his posture for prayer. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it, and I will glorify it again. What about this one? Lack of faith. Some of us maybe have been condemned by this. You just don't have enough faith. Well, it might be true. Don't be too sensitive. Trigger warning. You might not have enough faith, okay? Honestly, and that might not be the only thing. That's why we don't have one point to unanswered prayer, which some people try to do. You just need more faith. Well, but I think it is scripturally valid. Jesus made it clear that only believing prayer can be assured of an answer. 
He told them in Mark eleven twenty four. look at this. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That doesn't mean you can't have any doubts at all, but you can't allow all the doubts to choke out the faith and believing. So how do you get more faith? Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the message of Christ or hearing the word of God. If you don't have a lot of word, you probably don't have a lot of faith. And so it's not hard, to, it's not mean to say you don't have enough faith. Well, where's your word? And you say, I don't have power. God's not answering my prayers. Well, there might be a reason. Do you, do, you not, do you not really believe? Are you not positioned in your life to believe? James 1, 6 through 8 says this, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So we don't just petition God, you know, this, maybe this can happen. But no, do you, do you have, put some, put some faith on that. Put some ketchup on your hamburger. Put some faith on your prayers. Put some faith on it. No, God, I'm standing. Now, now you might say, well, that seems audacious, and I'm, you know, I'm not one of those faith healer, those kind of people. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about, because Jesus actually says this in Luke 17, 6. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and plant in the sea, and it will obey you. So he's not saying even just this great, just, just, just a, oh, come on. Do you believe? But I think we don't have faith really going into the next point, our lack of zeal. Now, zeal is fervor for a person, cause, or object, eager desire or endeavor, enthusiastic diligence. The opposite or antithesis of zeal is apathy or indifference. Romans 12, 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. How many of us just kind of casually or through obligation pray for somebody? Hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, we'll see. What, I don't know if anything's going to happen. Like, you're already going in and you're going to get what you're expecting. You understand, Jesus, no one had more faith than Jesus, goes into his hometown and it says he could only heal a few sick people because of their lack of faith. And zeal. It didn't say he wouldn't, right? If I didn't see faith in a room, I mean, I'd be like, oh, you don't want to be here. You don't think I'm who I, okay, whooping cough, right? Like, I would do the opposite because that's who we are. We're mean, spirited. If you don't want me at my worst, you don't get me at my best. Right? Like, that's, that's our mentality. Jesus comes in and didn't say he wasn't willing. He wouldn't do it. It wasn't volitional. It said he couldn't do it. Because the people were just like, yeah. Jesus, we know that dude. Didn't he build you that table? Yeah, he sure did. He built that table. Okay, yeah, that's Jesus. But before we laugh and convict, condemn them, where are we? Do you believe? Do you have zeal? This is why I, I like to practice this, and I'm not perfect at it. But if you come and you say, hey, 
I've got this prayer request or whatever, and wherever. Okay, let's stop. Let's pray right now. Because there's nothing worse than the person that goes, no, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. You know what that means? It means I probably won't, but I, I got to go. <laughs> I, I love our, our campus ministers, uh, Earl, Carrie, Sarah, and, and they do this thing called MPD, which they raise partnership, right? And they meet with people and they tell them, hey, you can support me financially or through prayer to go on the campus of U of H, Rice, TSU, and you can support me to bring the gospel to these places. Now, I personally do support campus ministers because if I can pay for a cable bill, I could probably spend 30, 40, 50 bucks a month to preach the gospel to campuses. Okay? But a lot of times they will, they will get the people that are like, ah, you know, I, I can't do it. And sometimes people can't do it we financially. I can't do it financially. Um, and, and say, well, will you be our prayer partners? Well, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And you know what that means some of the time? It means I'm not interested enough to give you any money, which means I'm probably not interested enough to really pray. Because what's harder, writing a check and moving on or spending time with the King of Kings, praying for that person to impact a campus and for lives to be changed? Prayer is much harder, much more needed. And having a prayer team, not, not that you need finances too, but having a prayer team is powerful. And yet we just dismiss that because I'll pray for you. Because we don't have a zeal. We don't have a fervency and a passion within our prayers. I mean, I think of it when my kids come and I, and I ask them if they want something. And if they're just kind of nonchalant, you know, whatever. I'm like, all right, well, me and mommy are going to go get something. You can eat a sandwich at home. Because that mentality drives me nuts. That apathy, that indifference drives me as a parent nuts. But you know what I do like? Enthusiasm, zeal. Dad, I really want this. I'm getting you that. Something about that passion. And you see that in Scripture as well. In 1 Samuel, we don't have time to go through it, chapter 1, 9 through 18, there's this woman named Hannah, or Hannah. He has a daughter named Hannah. And Hannah, that's Texan, Hannah <laughs> is praying, and she is barren, and she wants a child so badly. And she is praying so zealously, so passionately, that the priest, Eli, walks up, sees her praying, and thinks she's drunk. That's how passionate she was in her prayer. He thinks, this lady's, this lady's on the saws, like this is crazy. And he actually rebukes her. Now, how many of us, if a pastor, a man of God, came to you and rebuked you while you're in the middle of crying out to God, you'd be like, you ain't a man of God, forget you, right? But she was so humble. Like, she was so passionate about God and, and that she said, no, please pray for me. Bless me. And he did, and she got a son out of it. God listens and he hears that. God, I think often, it's like I'm looking for that David kind of cry that's crying out to me. 
in the wilderness. I'm looking for that Jacob person that says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And how many of us really have that kind of zeal? And yet we have the audacity to get mad and not have faith and not pray and yet come to church and say, God, you're Jesus and Lord and Lack of zeal. There's no passion. There's no fervor. Number five. Last one. A lack of perseverance. Similar to zeal. But really just giving up too easily. Or expecting, well, I prayed once and I trusted and I'm moving on. That's not scriptural. It's not. You say, well, that's a lot of faith if I just pray once and move on. That's a lot of stupid too because it's not scriptural. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Here's Jesus teaching us how to pray. He gives us this parable. Look what he says. And he told them a parable to effect, to to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why? Because we lose heart. And Jesus is going, it's okay. Like, this is normal. Let me help you. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over, him, over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So he says, listen, this is an extreme parable. He's not saying God is that judge because this is an unjust judge. But he's saying if even that unjust judge who doesn't care about God or man because he's just bothered will give it to you, how much more if you keep on going and persisting will God give it to you? Because I think God is actually saying, how much do you really care about this? Or is this just something, yeah, please, but you're not really, that's part of faith, truly contending for persevering for it, going for it. Another, one of my favorite parables, Luke 11, 5 through 10, Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask. The Greek here is keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek. The Greek is keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock. Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and everyone who keeps on seeking finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. There's a perseverance that actually proves faith. That actually proves that I trust you, God, and I'm really believing for this, and I'm not nonchalant and uncaring, but I'm really passionate about this. 
I'll give you an example in my life. My grandfather, my, my grandfather and my grandmother on my, mo- my mom's side were party animals. I mean, they were Vegas crazy. And then she, my grandmother got dramatically saved, like, like scary saved, like one of those, like, okay, stop speaking in tongues in the mall. You're embarrassing us, kind of saved. And, and seriously, and instead of like my grandfather coming around and going, I love Jesus, thank you. He was more like, <laughs> and went the opposite direction. I, the, the most I remember anything about my grandfather is him having emphysema and on a breathing tube and, and breathing machine his whole life. But he was so angry and mad at God and, and hated church and it ended up really hating her. They stayed together and he couldn't go anywhere. He was sick. She stayed with him. And I remember literally on his deathbed a day before he died my mom flew in and we prayed for years God let him know you God let him repent God call him and we prayed and persevered and persevered and I remember literally and we this is a true story on his deathbed repented and I remember what he said to my mom he said I've never experienced peace like this why didn't you tell me and she was like I did tell you But this man who's in his late 70s, dying on his deathbed through persevering of prayer, finally came to know Christ and said, I've never experienced peace like this before in my life. But to see that persevering prayer and when it feels like there's no way God's going to save that guy. He's so hard. He hates everything. And yet, because of God, not even just us, but I think he saw our persistence and our passion and in his mercy, gifted him his spirit. Persevering prayer. Now to, to end, I want to go back through and ask you a question. I want you to think about this. I want to get personal. I want you to think about, well, my wife should really. I want you to personalize this and ask this question in prayer, relationship with God, because that's what prayer is. Is there sin in your life? Here's the question. What, what room in your heart has not yet been opened to Christ and yielded to his lordship? See, I think we all have all of these rooms and we have all of these keys and we're like, here, you can hear. I'm going to give you this key here, key to that closet. Yeah, you got it, Jesus. Man, I need that closet clean. Come on. Here's this bedroom. Oh, I'm not giving you the master key because I don't want you in that room. You go there it might get really bad. And God's going, I already see the room. I think the song we sang earlier is great and I do love it. God, more of you. But here's the deal, he's, he's given you all of him. Like John Legend, all of me. <laughs> For all of you. I think a a better prayer isn't, God, give me more of your Holy Spirit, but God, I give you more of me. Have me, have all of me. Not just this area and this area, but me. With wrong motives, have have you been praying just for selfish things? that you might spend on your, your passions on them. I think this comes as a result of sin mostly. We're not focused on him. 
So we're just thinking about ourselves, then we're mad when we don't get what we want. Lack of faith, are you really believing God for answers to your prayers? Are you stepping out? Are you believing? Are you walking that path? Lack of zeal, do you go to God with an intense burning desire to have your requests from him? Lack of perseverance, do you wrestle with God saying with Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me? You know, God's challenging me a lot on this. There's a lot of things I want to see in this city, in your life, in my life. And God's going, will you persevere for it? God's challenging a few of us doing a 21-day fast in May. Let's believe. Let's go after God. What do you want to do? Because I don't know about you, but probably the, the biggest hurdle for me is just continuing. I get tired but I haven't done everything I haven't persevered like I need to and maybe that's you if you have anything in your life right now you're going God I need you to answer this prayer I want you to wrestle with those five things but ultimately I want you to realize what Christ has done to give you the ability to even wrestle with those five things and boldly come to a God that loves you and embraces you. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. We're going to ask our worship team to come up. We're running a little bit late, but I want to ask our one-to-one team to come. And I don't want to end without offering a chance to pray. There's something powerful about praying with somebody. Jesus said, my house will be a house of not blessing, not worship, not preaching, prayer for all the nations and I want us to take a moment here and pray and maybe in response you need to come and deal with maybe one of these five pray pray for me about this or maybe there's something sickness or an ailment let's pray let's believe let's come agree Jesus ask seek knock that ask is a humility God I'm asking that seeking is, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm bringing faith. Knock. I'm going to continue to beat on that door. Something powerful in that. I want to encourage you. Maybe your response today is communion. We have communion tables set up here and here. And you want to, you, you break that bread, thinking of the broken body of Christ. And drink that, that, that drink, thinking of the blood of Christ and what he's done in you. I don't know about you. I don't need more of God. He needs more of me. And that's my prayer today. Let's pray, Father. We ask for us to embrace what you've given us in your Son, in your Spirit. Lord, and fill us to the capacity that we give for you. Let us literally hold nothing back from you and allow you to fill us to full what done on the cross let's worship